Morning show with Anthony here on the air at 92.9 EHM online at anthonyonair.com. Happy to be joined in studio by a very special guest. We got Billy Squire with us. Good morning, Billy. How are you? How's it going, man? Good. A little, you know, a little early, but we'll manage. <laughs> We're adjusting. We're making it happen. <laughs> uh, Jim Faith is also here with us. He is the uh, founder of the Great South Bay Music Festival. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you're the man responsible for booking Billy Squire on this uh, festival, which is pretty cool. We were just talking uh, before we started that, uh, uh, Billy, you don't play many shows, uh, not as many as certainly you used to, and that's by design. Yeah, it is. I, I've, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of the music business and what, it's, what it's, I consider it's devolved into. <laughs> um, you and me both, my man. Yeah, you so, and me both. So, so, so rather than try to be a part of that or, or even go out and try to sort of recapture the glory days of my youth, mm-hmm. which is not particularly interesting to me i mean it was then right right (laughs) it was great then um you know so i i kind of hang out and wait wait for opportunities to see if if something comes along that you know is either um presents a new challenge or is an opportunity to say to play with somebody who i'd like to play with right we were talking before that the interview started and jim mentioned um a show that i did a maybe 10 years ago or so now out at um out in Chicago, where a big radio station had asked me to come out, they had Def Leppard was headlining. It was it was a, it was a big it was an anniversary show for the station. Mm-hmm. So it was a very big, very big deal, very big station in Chicago, and they had Def Leppard headlining. And is a bit of history. I, I brought Def Leppard to America, and kind of. I mean, I don't like to say I broke them in America. I gave them a chance to break themselves in America. Right, right. They're a f- fabulous band, and it was you know great. Absolutely great tour and great experience for me. But um, when they told me that Def Leppard was headlining, and they, and they asked me if I would play, you know, by myself, because I, I was not, I didn't have the band geared up and, the, you know, the whole road show going. And right. They said, well, would you play by yourself? And I thought, well, you know, this is kind of interesting. I like, I like the um, symmetry, if you will, that, you know, that, that Def Leppard came and opened for me, and now I'm going to open for Def Leppard. But I was going to open by myself, and it, you know, I, I like I get to see my see my buddies, and right, yeah. So I said yes, and I had never done a show like that before, but I did it because I like I said I like the way it laid out, and it was a challenge because going on acoustically, basically in front of a band, you know, a big rock band like that is you know is somewhat scary. It's a risky, yeah, yeah, sure. But I wanted to do it, and. Um, from what Jim said, it went pretty well. <laughs> According to Jason, uh, you hit it out of the park, and he was—he just raved about it. He thought it was one of the highlights of the night. So, uh, and I, as uh, he said, I've been trying to get Billy for a couple of years, and I knew that he was doing his—he's more um, buried in his roots and playing with some really cool things in New Orleans and the Iridium and stuff like that. And uh, and he just wanted to stay away from the hit factory, I guess. <laughs> so, um, so when I heard about this, I just said, "Look, I'd love to have him do this." And uh, and my understanding is you've turned a lot of your your tunes that were great tunes. I I thought into gone back to a blues feel and uh, and gone back to your roots and, and well uh, we'll we'll find out. I mean this is this is the this is the, um, 
the first this show is the first show that I've done of, of the, these songs that I'm doing. What I what I played in Chicago is actually um, came from a, an acoustic record, that, a blues record I did. Uh, is that Happy Blue? Happy Blue, yeah, back that was in a good the record. late '90s, yeah. and I decided to do most of that for the Chicago show because I had I had done a few shows like that when I put the CD out. I did a handful of shows, so I kind of thought, I think I'll do that. I like that idea. What happened with this one? The past few years, again, sitting around, you know, not waiting for the phone to ring, but but waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> right, right. I've, I, I've ended up doing a fair a fair amount of of um, charity or cameo things where, where uh, people would ask me if I would come in and play a couple songs. And at one point, I found this uh, on YouTube. This this guy this covers a lot of my songs on acoustic guitar. And he did a killer version of In the Dark. And no he knows I've given him I give him credit for it. It was it was great, but it was different than from you know, it was it was it was like you know, you take a song and you change it and you make it your own. So I started doing this. I mean I changed his a little bit, but I mean I really got it from him. Right. And so I would go out and I'd do in the dark and I have you know, it's, and I would do like everybody wants you or something, but slow it down and do it, you know. So I had a, cu- a couple songs, but I wasn't doing shows. I just go out, show, show up, do a couple songs, wouldn't have to rehearse, you know, be like, okay, I'll do it, and good cause, that kind of thing. Um, when my agent came to me with this, and it, and I and really Jim is is the guy who made it happen because, I, you know, he's I don't know him too well, but I think he's a modest guy. He did come to my agent, and my agent said I probably wouldn't do it, and and he said, would you know, would, but you know, I really would like him to do it by himself, right? And what I usually do when I get an offer like that is I, I say no, because it, then I can buy a little time. No, I mean, I just, I say, yeah, let me, give me a few, no, I don't know, right. but give me a couple, we had a couple of days, okay, I'll tell you on Monday. You know, so then, so I, you know, I, I went back out to my garden and was doing, you know, doing my landscape routine or whatever, and, you know, I'm up in a tree and I start, I'm starting, okay. How many songs do I have to do? You know, so it wouldn't have to be a long set because you're playing by yourself. There's only, only so much you can do. You can't right. do an hour and a half by yourself. Right. So I thought, yeah, can I get six, six, seven, eight songs? And and all of a sudden it was like, wait a second. Yeah, I could, I could do that. Song. I've got, you know, I've got two. You know, I've got the, you know, I got that blues thing of the stroke that I do. That's three. I won't tell you everything I'm going to do, but you know, all of a sudden it was like, wait, I could do that. I could do that. Right. And and. You know, Monday came. I called back Steve and said, "Yeah, I'll do it," because again, it's a challenge. It's you know, it's I haven't done it before. This is this is going to be more of a, if if you will, more of a hits package. There'll be more stuff that people know. Right. It's not, it's not an esoteric show, but there are some things that I, that I don't usually do. There's something I've never done before. Um, you know, and I always change the songs up a bit to keep it interesting for me. So I'm I think it's I think it's going to be good. You know, we'll see. I, I feel good about it, which is. Probably the most important thing right. is, is that I'm actually fun- thinking this is going to be good. Now let me ask you this: How- <laughs> I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have fun if nobody else does. <laughs> How hard is it to have an agent and be an artist with integrity? Because usually those two things don't go along. To be able to tell your agent, I don't want to do that because I don't, I don't, you know. You're not saying that my agent is lacking in integrity. No, not at all. He's not I, here to defend himself. <laughs> Never, but oh, usually, usually, here's what here's what it is, Billy. Let me be honest with you. If if I had to take somebody's career, I would take your career. You know what I'm saying? You had the time of struggle, you had the time of success, and then you had this time where you just said, "I'm good here." This is it. I'm I'm ready to step away from this for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like to me, that is the career to have. Not when you become a slave to the material that you've created. You know. I don't disagree with that. That's, I don't disagree. And and I was and I was feeling that. Uh, you know when I, when I when I ended my my association with my you know, my label, it partly was because of that because they were trying to dictate. They weren't so much telling me what I had to do. They were telling me what was happening and, the, and that I wasn't. Okay. You know, more like, you know, this is this is the kind of music that is being 
play. And you're, right. you know, they didn't, you know, they weren't coming to me with stupid songs and stuff, but they just they wouldn't support me as an artist. Okay. You know, and 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 that was really the reason that I left because I said to myself, in terms which we won't use in public radio, <laughs> you know, these I'm not going to have some suit behind a desk who can't play his way out of a paper bag, you know, telling me what I should be doing, you know, what kind of songs I should write and and how I should be, you know, be playing them. Right. I've been doing this my whole life. Doesn't mean I can't do better and people can't give me advice. I'm not. I'm cool with that. Right, you know? right, right. But, you know, don't start passing judgment on me. I mean, you know, this guy's been out of the business almost as long as I have now, you know, for, you know probably for comments like, like <laughs> making decisions like that. You know? <laughs> but he still has to go to work, and I don't, so that's the difference. <laughs> you know? But, but I, you know, I, no, I agree. I, I, I don't want to be a slave to the business. And like I said, I don't, I don't have any interest in trying to recapture those days. Mm-hmm. But I still love music. You know, I mean, put a guitar in my hands and plug me in, you know, I'm a kid again. I mean, right. It feels exactly the same. Right. You know, it, it's, it's an incredible feeling. It's a rush. I love doing it. So I want to keep my hand in, you know, whether it's with the band. You know, they took, I took the band out with three or four years ago. We had, a, we had a great summer and fall. But if it's something like this, which presents a new opportunity, if this show goes well, I, you know, I might do some more of them. Right. Because this is a show I can, I can kind of do. You know, I don't have to go out and, you know, get six guys for the crew and get the band together and, you know, and book the hotels. And all. I mean, it's very easy to do it. So, you know, if I like it and, you know, and I get some more, you know, the promoters like, like Jim, you know, or people or the word gets out and people like it, then, you know, maybe I do do this a little more, you know, still at, just as people want it. I'm not I'm not really looking to put something together again. But if this went well, then I would certainly be open to doing some more of it. All right. It's the difference between love of music and love of the music industry. It's mm-hmm. two completely different things. Yeah. You know, uh, Billy Squire in studio with us here. He's playing uh, Friday night at the Great South Bay Music Festival. Uh, Jim Faith, the uh, creator of the festival, also in studio with us. Tickets are available by going to uh, greatsouthbaymusicfestival.com. That's greatsouthbaymusicfestival.com. Take me back, though, a little Wait bit more. Wait a second. While you're, on the, while you're doing the plug. Yeah, the show. sure. Tell them and tell me where this is. <laughs> this is no, Patchogue. Patchogue, okay. Shorefront Park. Yeah. Shorefront Park, because I get questions about that. Yep. And I say, I, I, I'll, I, you know, when they tell me, I can let you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful park right on the water. Shorefront Park. Yeah, looking at the Great South Bay. It's a beautiful, Great. beautiful setting. In fact, I don't know how Jim swung getting it. Well, I, I, I can I, we were going to a different village. Paid and, off, uh, probably. And they uh, tortured us. The he, politics of it tortured <laughs> us, and I have very little patience for politicians. And um, so, so yeah. the mayor, the mayor who's building Patchogue is turning into this little Greenwich Village. Man, it's an amazing place. It's becoming a little. Yeah, it is a crazy. City. It's a good scene and down he's there. He's the guy. Right. You know, the mayor. He chased us. He literally. He, they sat with us in a. Well, so that's what you want. That is what I want. The what guy, you're saying is that it's really the same thing. Just I'm like doing. you chased Billy. He exactly. chases and you know he wants you. It <laughs> will work for you. He'll make it happen for you. You get it. You feel like you want to do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to get back to the career and what we were talking about because you said Jim's or mine. Yours. <laughs> I know plenty about Jim. <laughs> but you were talking about the suits coming in and telling you what to do. How what, how much of a change was that? When you were coming from some of the bands you were in before you were doing the solo work, were you were you listening to some of the 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 label feedback back then? Or I listened. I I listened a lot. I mean, it, I think I think that you have to. I, 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 you don't have to, but I, I I would bet that there are very few artists coming up who are not listening because you're trying and you're trying to fit in. I, mean, I don't know if Bob Dylan listened to too many people. Right. But but he might have come because because he had John Hammond at Columbia who was an incredibly smart guy and right. really respected and probably gave him some real good advice and he, so you know, even Bob probably listened to one or two. He got people. lucky. His yeah. But there are very few people. I mean, he's he's very obviously right. a, a incredible visionary, very strong little bit. Right. I think yeah, I think most of us you, we want to get in the game. Yeah, we're going to listen and we're going to jump through a few hoops. I mean, you you want to try to have some integrity and. Well, I think you want to find a niche. You want to find what's yours. Yeah. But, no, you're going to listen. And I would listen. And I always listen. But, you know, to be honest, without getting into all the particulars, there were times when I felt that I had to listen. You know, that, in other words, that if I didn't listen, I was going to be accused of being an egomaniac, say, or something like that. You know? right. And so there were times when I listened, which I regret, 
in a way. I mean, I don't really regret it, but where I feel like, nope, I shouldn't. You know, I knew that I knew that this was a mistake. Right. And I li- and I listened and I went along with it, and it really hurt me. You know, so you know, you it's it's a tricky. It's a it's a tricky situation. To be. You, you like want to listen. You want to you want to get a good idea of what you want, but you don't want to be closed off to the world. Yeah. But you got to be strong enough to say no. This is what re- I've listened to you. I respect what you're saying, but I'm not doing it. I'm doing this. It's so hard to find that balance. And though. it was that decade. It was that time when you know when MTV came out and everything was visual. So everything was an image more than the music. I think in most cases. Oh, absolutely. You know now you can get away with. Really getting into music and being a little bit more, you know, being a little bit more honorable about your music, even though I felt that you guys, you know, your music always was. You had great players in the band, Bobby Chouinard and everybody. It was a killer band. And, um, but I think now it might be a little bit easier to be a Mumford, you know, to be a, a, a tuna and bring up Jerry Douglas and bring up. But I, I think it's easier in a way, but it's also harder to, it's harder to make it. Yeah. You know, that's, it's that easier because the, the business is just completely disintegrated yeah. Yeah. Or, or there's a new format. But, you know, it's, there is more freedom, but yeah. there's more difficulty, uh, you know, in kind of promoting yourself. But uh, I, I, I tend to be optimistic about where we're at now for the reasons that you said. Because I think that – I think with the, sort of the demise of the, the record industry, um, bands are making it now by their live shows. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there it used to be. You would make a record, and you you go out and do a you go out and do a tour. You didn't care if you made money in the tour because you were promoting. It was called the Lost Leader. Right. You were you were you were doing the tour to sell the records. You'd sell millions of records, and it was great. Now it's the other way around. Now people are doing their shows and selling the records out of their their vans or whatever, right. and and but people they're really making their living off doing the shows. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, if you're going to make your living doing shows, you better be good. Mm-hmm. No, so, so you, you can't go out and you know and lip sync something and you know right. and and, right. and, and, and you know and goof around. You gotta you gotta be good. So, you know, I I don't go out and see a lot of bands, but I my guess is if there there are some very good bands out or or floating off the radar a little bit who who will make themselves known, and that could that could change the whole. Yeah. The whole game. The sad part is you don't see them, them winning the Grammys, even though they are winning Grammys. Like like we have Jerry Douglas. Jerry Douglas won 13 Grammys, but you'll see Bieber, you'll see Beyonce winning the Grammy, and then they do him off, you know, off screen. He gets his Grammy. Yeah, that's so the, you don't know that's Carolina that, Chocolate Drop. That business and you that's... Know, and these people who won Grammys, and it's kind of sad, really. Uh, but j- I think that, I think things could turn. You I, know, but I, I like I like to think that they are they are turning or they're just or they're ready. They're ready we're ready to you know go back to a, a better place. Jim brought up a good point about uh, the image of the time, and I want to ask you about recording specifically, because I listen to Happy Blue, and there's something wonderful about when there's just vocals and an acoustic guitar, and it's recorded the right way, and you can capture that, and you can hear your fingers sliding around the, the, the strings and all that stuff, and how things were recorded in 80, 81, 82. What... Tell me, I want you to talk a little bit about the difference there between those two things. Because um, I know what I, I know, I hear a huge difference, but I wonder what that's like from your end. Well, I'm not exactly sure what the question is, but I'll start answering you. And then sure, you can, we'll figure I mean, it Happy out. Happy Blue, Happy Blue is a project which which I actually conceived as a rebuttal to what I saw the biz becoming the business becoming. You know, right. I felt like that there were far too many people putting out CDs. You know, without being musicians, that the people had no business making right. what I call records. It just, it, you know, it, it, it was really, it was really, I thought, a really sad, sort of uh, dishonest, <laughs> manipulative situation. So, so I thought, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. I'm going to make a record that has <clears throat> none of that. I'll even take away my band, and I'm going to write songs specifically that I'm going to play by myself with no bells and whistles, and I'm going to try to make it so that I can hold your attention through every one of those songs. Mm-hmm. And that was an incredible project for me. I mean, I, I, I started playing in tunings I'd never played in before. I, it's all acoustic. I never. I mean, I'd played acoustic guitar before, but I'm an electric guitar player. Right, right. So, I mean, it was really a, 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 quite a journey of discovery for me. And I've always been really proud of it for that reason. It, it took me places I, you know, I had not been, and, and I think it really did show that 
Yes, there are musicians. Some of us <laughs> actually do play. <laughs> but is it harder to do that? Just, just. You know well, what I'm I think it's very. Is, I think it's really hard to do that. It's you, harder you to just do that. You have nowhere to fall back. I mean, uh, I always remember Keith Richards saying that, you know, that, has, that the Rolling Stones are just like a big mattress for him. You know, he falls over. He's got, he's got Charlie <laughs> behind him, and you know, and and, uh, and it's true. You, you know, you if you play with, in a band, you've got support, right? You play out, You go play by yourself. You've got nothing. You've got to. You've got to pull it off. And if anybody, if there's any mistakes made, it's everybody knows it's you. You know, you've, right. you've got to deliver. So it is hard, but it's very rewarding too. I mean, it's as I said, being able to to do some of the stuff that I did on Happy Blue, is stuff that I really, you know, very proud of. But it's a world of difference than some of the other records where you're worried about drum sound. And, oh yeah, that's you know, totally yeah. All this and yeah. that, <laughs> like all that production. That it was he- that was a heavy time for production work. Yeah. Well, it was, and we. I was. I, I think that I was a. I, I, I was kind of the last of the, the era, the the, the say pre MTV era. Although I'm identified with MTV, but but when I, when I broke, when I when when I, when I became successful, it was still very radio driven, mm-hmm. and I got into MTV because it was radio driven at the time, and MTV needed people, and so they wanted. You know, they they weren't controlling the situation at that time. They were looking for talent, so right. they were selling us on the idea of, of of what they could do for us. Right. You know, but but it was still very, it was very music oriented. But we did have um, a fair amount of production production values had increased over the years, recording techniques, and you know there was more experimentation and things like that. So, it, yeah, it, it it was not a control when I was doing it, but. Um, it wasn't the days of going in and cutting an album, you know, in three days. That, right, it wasn't there yeah. either. I mean, I would usually, I would spend, I'd spend a, like a week doing a song, you know, five days. Because I'd come in, I would come in, the first day I would set up, I'd, like you said, I'd spend a lot of time getting the drum sound I want. Even in the studio that I knew the, knew how the room sounded and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd put the drums in the place, I'd tune them, and you listen, it's not quite right, you change things around. Anyway, we'd get that together, then... We'd get basically get set up one day and cut the track, and we would cut. The, we would always cut the track as, as a band. So that's day one. Mm-hmm. Then day two, I come in, listen to it, make sure I like it. You know, we did very few editing, very little editing of tracks, and virtually none. But occasionally, they might you might hear something from another take. You know, that you say, I really like that. We're not going to go cut the whole track over. I would just we'll stick it in. Right. But basically, it was live, and then I would do. I would put the vocals on and do any guitars I wanted to do, like like solos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like day two would be like Billy Billy Overdub Day. And then day three would be, say, Band Overdub Day. You know, any keyboards you want to do, anything, backing vocals, stuff like that. And then day four, you'd mix it, and we'd leave it up overnight so that if we come back the next day and, you know, if we, were t- if we had been tired or we missed something, right. we wouldn't have to set it all up again. So then I mean, day five could have been an hour, but it could have also been 10 just to attend. but that that's kind of a blueprint of when things were going well right you know, that's I, how you there, did there, it. Were, there were one or two times when i was involved with people who made it a nightmare and it was like you know you you felt like you were in you know in a war zone trying to get <laughs> get through this stuff but, but most of the time that was the way it would be so you know i auditioned you, for your band sorry i auditioned for your band you did i did you are you serious stevens instead was i there no who did he pick over you? T.M. Stevens, who's, you know, if you're going to lose to a base player, you <laughs> Yeah, that's not well. bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not bad. You know. Yeah. Did you book Billy just to bring this up? Did you book him just to bring this up? Because I, because, no, the way, when we, the times when we would need somebody, I would have the band audition people first. Right. You know, because if there's 50 guys, I'm not auditioning 50 guys. So you guys pick the five guys or three guys right. who think are the best, <laughs> and then I'll come in and play with them. Right. Yeah. I'm good friends with Alan, so. Oh. Yeah, well, you blame him. He, he still lives in your neighborhood somewhere. You can track him. Uh, Billy Squire is here with us in the studio. I'm fascinated by this. Uh, I'm fascinated by your career overall, but by that time period and what it was. Because, you know, people talk about now this great change with the Internet, and obviously the business is crumbling now. But I remember hearing those same fears with MTV. Like, what is, what's going to happen you know, to the business oh, they now. Changed, they MTV history will show. The MTV completely yeah. changed the face of the music industry. Yeah, I'm one of the people who absolutely feel it was detrimental. 
because it, put, it took the emphasis off the music. It, as Jim said, it made it visual. So all of a sudden, artists were, were providing soundtracks for directors, <laughs> directors' ideas to what their songs were about. It's insane. I mean, the great thing about rock and roll music is you, you, know, you hear it on the radio and you, you make it your own. Every yeah. one of us you know, knows where we, you know, mm-hmm. I know where I was when I heard Jumpin' Jack Flash. You know where you were when you heard, you know, like a Rolling Stone. And, and you may not know all the words or you may think they're saying something, but, in the, but, it's, but you personalize it. Yeah. It becomes very, very, very personal. And MTV destroyed that. Yeah. They absolutely destroyed it. And they, and they took the emphasis off, like I said, it wasn't about playing anymore. It was about prancing around and get, fixing your hair and yep. right. you know all that stuff. And you know, I'm I'm you know very outspoken about it. I I think it was. I mean, they didn't do it intentionally. Right. You know, it was very successful for them, and they made a lot of money. But I think it was horrible for the industry. Billy Squire is our guest this morning on the morning show with Anthony. He was nice enough to come in and give us some time. Jim Faith also here, creator of the Great South Bay Music Festival. Billy playing on Friday nights along with the Doobie Brothers, Kerry Carney Band, and so much more. A lot of progress, uh, a lot of change that Billy has made. This, of course, you remember remember the old version of the Stroke. Here, take a listen to this. This is the uh, Stroke as you guys remember it. And what I like about Billy, this is why I wanted to have him on. He's changing it up a little bit. Check out this new version of The Stroke. Billy Squire with us here on The Morning Show with Anthony. Say everybody, have you heard? If you're in the game, strokes the word. Don't take no rhythm. Don't take no style Got a fast for killing Sending out 
It ain't no joke Let your conscience fail ya Just do the stroke Don't you take no chances Keep your eye on top of The Stroke as Billy Squire hangs out with us here on The Morning Show with Anthony. He'll be at the Great South Bay Music Festival this Friday playing just before the Doobie Brothers. Kerry Carney also on the Friday bill for the rest of the festival. Dark Star Orchestra, Soul Live, James Maddock, Amy Helm Band, Electric Hot Tuna, Jerry Douglas Band, The Infamous String Dusters, Carolina Chocolate Drops, Steve Forbert, uh, Miles to Dayton, Jack's Waterfall, Memphis Crawl should be a great festival. For tickets and more info, GreatSouthBayMusicFestival.com. That's GreatSouthBayMusicFestival.com. Creator of the festival, Jim Faith, also here with us. We'll do more with Jim and Billy Squire after the break on The Morning Show with Anthony. With you on the morning show with Anthony here on 92.9 EHM. Also online with the podcast, anthonyonair.com. That's anthonyonair.com. We were talking with Billy Squire just before the break all about uh, MTV and uh, music videos sort of coming into the business and really sort of changing the model of how things are done. Billy had a whole string of hits. And uh, at a certain point, just decided this is not the business that I want to take part in anymore. And it's crazy to, to, to think about how much MTV had changed that, you know. And it's funny because you, you ever watch a music video and you're watching it and you're kind of like, what the hell does this have to do yeah, with there's nothing what's to do happening? With that, of course. In the, no. You know, there's all these weird things going on and quick cuts and you're like, what's, yeah. what's happening here? You know, yeah. but is, does it weird you out that... Um, Today, you can catch a music video on MTV. Does, do you find <laughs> no, that to be right. a little odd? Now they're just a TV station. Yeah. Like, uh, what, you know, I'm surprised nobody has jumped back into let's just play videos all the time. Or, or maybe they just, just changed the name of the station. You, or, yeah. <laughs> the, the new MTV and make M stand for something else. Right, right. See, they're, they're all, you know, 16 and pregnant shows now all of a sudden on that station. Well, we don't want to get into, you know, television. No, no, that would be good. Uh, but let me ask you a question: though. When you're when you're there in that time period, and your albums are going multi platinum, obviously there's the seed in you. You were a Clapton fan too, right? Oh, yeah. Coming up, yeah, big time. So obviously that what you're doing now is sort of like planted in you and always has been. Do you recognize that at the time? Like, man, one day I would kind of like to shred all this and maybe no, go on a, no, 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 never no. It, 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 my career has been an evolution, and it's and it it's been the result. Of, it 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 really. Things happen and I react to them. No, I didn't have a plan that, well. Really? You know, 20 years after I walk away, I'm going to start doing blues music. No, I, it's all been something. That things come, they appear. All right, now when you walk away, do you completely walk away? Like never just play in your living room, just you and a guitar? And... Uh, I didn't play for a few years. Really? Yeah. I didn't play. For, I started actually, um, I made a brief foray into the movie business writing writing screenplays because I, it was a, I, it's it's a bit of a story I won't get into, it, but I, it was, I found it a challenge, and I I wanted to see if I could do it. So I spent a couple of years doing that, and um, I was involved with the playwright, and so I sort of explored that area. Right. Um, two or three years, and then I did Happy Blue, but those two or three years I didn't play at all. 
didn't miss no. it or anything no. like that. Then I got then and then I the reason I did it, one of the reasons I did Happy Blue two things happened. MTV was responsible for part of it. Believe it or not, MTV, you know, or VH1, rang me up and they were doing a show on eight artists who were big in the eighties, mm-hmm. and the you know and they wanted me to do it and they wanted me to come and play. And I remember talking to them on the phone, and I none of this was premeditated. I had nothing to fall back on. I said, I'll do it if I can do it by myself. I just said it. I said, you, really? Great. I, I swear, I hung up the phone. I said, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And what am I going to do? I really, I mean, I said, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> so I had a few weeks before this was going to happen. And, you know, a lot of things, they said, one of the things that's been good for me living out here is that I spend a lot of time running on the beach. With my dog, and nice. a lot of ideas come to me that's when I'm running in the beach. Nice. And one day, I'm running down the beach, and I suddenly, I don't know, I suddenly went, hold it, the stroke is a blues song. Just like that. And it is. On the if beach you, with If the you dog. break it down, it really is. I said, I know what, I can do this. I can do this as like a swamp, like a Louisiana-style blues song. All right. Great, you know? So, I did it for the show. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other thing was that I had um, my young young godchild at the time turned two years old, and I wrote a poem for him for his second birthday. And his mother said to me, well, why, don't, why don't you make it into a song? I said, okay. So I did that, and it, and, and it just happened. Uh-huh. And it's like, and the magic of songwriting, it, it's incredible. I mean, this really comes out of nowhere. You know, it's like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And I sit down, and all of a sudden, there it is, and I'm doing it, and it comes wow. out. So, so I got energized. So, so then I, those two things, made, I said, I'm going to do a whole record like this. So that's what I said. It evolved. It wasn't something I planned. It right. just happened, and, the, and I, reacted, I reacted to the events. It's, it, sounds, it sounds so unique to me because it's not like you vehemently said, no, forget it. I'm, you know, I'm done. I'll never do it again, or you're fighting people who are asking you to oh, do no, it. Oh, no, I didn't sell any instruments or anything like that. You yeah, know, I, I didn't. yeah. It just kind of naturally that just, took its course with you. Yeah. That's so fascinating to me. Because you think about what, all right, think about what you do for a living, I think about what I do for a living. When I'm on vacation for like five, I'm like, I hate this crap. I can't, getting up in the morning, <laughs> then I got to talk to these people who I work with, who, they're like, oh, we got your best interest in them, and it's all garbage. Being <laughs> <laughs> edited out, I guess. <laughs> We're not, no, there's not. No, you can actually repeat it. You can <laughs> just run it I, I tell them all the time. The best part about me is I constantly bash management on the air. And then when they, they ignore me it. in the they hallways, they, they go, and when they ignore me, I go, why are they being so mean to me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but when I'm gone from this for, for like five days, I, I feel it. I miss it. I'm kind of like, you know, like I'm cracking jokes to my fiance the way I would here. She kind of, she can sense it. She, you know, she can hear that, you know, she's like, what are you doing? Stop doing, you know. <laughs> Stop talking to me like that. Down. Yeah. <laughs> that's a broccoli. That's not a microphone. Put it, you know, stop doing that. But that's, so that's interesting to me to hear that, the way you kind of just were like, all right. Well, it's kept happening. Cause, I mean, after I did, after I did Happy Blue and I did this one tour, then I stopped. Yeah. I'd, I'd done it. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to just keep doing it. I, it was, people said, well, why don't you do another record? I said, oh, cause I just did it. Yeah. You know, and so then I went back. I'm, I'm very, very into Nature and landscaping and gardening and stuff like that. And so and that and it's really saved my life because I can do that every day and I do pretty much you know all year round. I'm I can always walk outside and start doing something and I get involved and it keeps me healthy. And nice. I so I went back to doing that and then uh, my agent came to me, the same same agent I have now. So just you know, I guess there is some integrity being maintained <laughs> here. That we have a good relationship and. Um, and he had he had a, a tour going. He had been approached by Sticks, um, and Sticks and Bad Company were going to play. And they said, "Would you would you do it?" And I was like, eh. "I don't like these packages that go out every year. Right. Like the same names. And they just sort of change off. And mm-hmm. They do the same show every year. Yeah, like yeah. I said it's like re- recapturing something that just isn't there anymore. Right. Um, but I like I love Paul Rogers. You know, I I, I you know I from Free and from Bad Company. He's one of the guys I learned to sing from, and I thought, well, that would be good. And I don't dislike Sticks. They, they weren't a favorite band of mine, but I didn't have anything against them. I thought, right. You know, um, I thought, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. I get it. I know what they do. And, and 
bad company. And I said, okay, so so I did it, you know, and it was fine. We had a great tour, and then I don't think I played for <laughs> like five years, except for the Def Leppard show I did uh, in Chicago. But then, you know, the next thing that happened to me, which was really fortunate, was that uh, Ringo had actually approached me to play in his band around 2000 or 2001, some 2000. And I turned him down because I had two god. <laughs> no, I had, I, had, I had a very good reason. I, I, I want to hear it. I had two godchildren, one of whom was like five and one was two, and they were really dear to me. I loved them like okay. my own. And they would come for the summer. And I felt like, you know, there's no greater honor than being asked to play with the Beatle. And, and he's asked me, and right. I know, and I'm really grateful. It means the world to me. But I'm not giving up a summer with these kids. Wow. And his, you are something and his, else. His agent at the time said, you'll never work. You'll never work in this business again. Oh, you got, you got, you got I upset. said, fine. I said, I said, I, I, you know, it's like this is my, this is my decision. Ringo didn't say it, but I thought, okay, well, I, I, you know, that's the way it is. Five years later, he asked me again. He called you back, and I said, okay. And you went out twice with I the did, but I mean, band. but that got me into playing again. So I mean, I mean, I, I owe him a lot that way. That he could have gone, yeah, screw you, you know. He didn't, but he asked me again. And I played. It was a fantastic experience. Then I played with them again in 08, and then I took the band out in 09. I started when I wrote, I wrote a couple of songs, I recorded them. Yeah. You know, I had this really kind of run. And since then, I've been closer. Since since then, I haven't walked away as much. You know, I do five or six things a year, you know, small scale, mediums, you know, whatever. Yeah, just whatever. But I, I really try to keep, you know, when, when opportunities like this come up, I try to evaluate them in a positive way and take advantage of them because... I don't want to really get too far. I'm far enough away. I would actually like to be playing more, but I won't go out and put myself in a situation which would make me wonder why I'm doing it. So right. I'm still content to want to play more, you know, be playing less, but playing things I want to play. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. I'm just taking in how special of a person you are because I'm thinking. How many family members I would actually sell just for a four-minute interview with Ringo Starr, let alone a going? Grandchild can do it. <laughs> See, what? I have one now. A grandchild can do it. I, yeah, I got a niece. Yeah. That's really it. I'm. I, I don't know. It's almost twelve, <laughs> so it's kind of that time to get rid of them. Fantastic experience. But what happened? What, so, so does Ringo? Does he? What does he do? Does he call you? Does he get in touch with your people? No, they, or? They, they, they went agent to agent. But agent. Now he calls me. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, we, and I, you know, now we talk. And you're like, no, but, were you, but at the time, were you thinking to yourself, are you sure? I, you made your decision, but were you thinking, oh, crap. I, no, I didn't, because as I said, I had a really good reason in my mind not to. Yeah. These kids were really so, so special to me. And so, just, that's what I felt. I said, no, I got I to gotta be there for them. I, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even upset about it. It was like, nope, I'm, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be with these kids. We're in studio with uh, Billy Squire, the only man to turn down uh, Ringo Starr ever. And uh, he um, he's going to be playing the uh, Great South of Music Festival Friday. Uh, he's got the Friday night show. Uh, tickets available at greatsouthbaymusicfestival.com. What's it like going out on the road? Because now you've taken this time away from the business. And when you came back, you were just doing solo stuff and maybe a little band stuff here and there. But when you go out with Ringo and, and that group of musicians, which it's funny, too, because no matter what incarnation that band takes... It's always filled with a ridiculous amount of talented people. It's an incredible format, you know, and, and there's very few people who could do it. You know, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic gig because you're playing with all these musicians who, <clears throat> in their own right, are very gifted and talented and successful. And you, so everyone is supporting each other. Like I said before, you know, you, you only do <clears throat> two or three songs of your own and you're playing other people, so you're doing stuff you wouldn't do. You're learning new stuff. But everybody's good and you get... You know, you have really good musical experiences. And then you're playing with a Beatle, you yeah. know, who's got a few good songs to do. <laughs> and he takes great care of you. He take, you know, he, they, they treat you wonderfully. He is, yeah. It's totally professional, obviously. Everything is Beatle class. So it's a great gig. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's, 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 it's a, it, I wouldn't say it's a no-pressure gig, but the only pressure is to, to be good at your perform. Do it, you know, be good at yourself. You know, don't show up drunk. And, you know, you got to... Right. Everybody, everybody really contributes. You know, you want to do well. You want to, you want to really give something to this guy who's given so much to you. How does it? How does it get started? Like, all right, he he gets all the members. 
do you guys get together before rehearsal and say, hey, I'm thinking these songs or maybe no, everybody, everybody, each individual decides the songs they're going to do. Okay. That's so, it. Yep. So you so you know the song list before you before you show up, you know. So you Edgar come in. going to do Frankenstein. He's going to do Free Ride. You know, um, you, you know you just pick out every, every every guy. You know says these are the songs I've decided to do, and then they send you a tape, which are basically just the tracks. So you, so I get, you know, twenty songs, and this, here they are, and I just if I, if I don't know one, or I listen, I learn it, and then I figure out what I want to do. And so you show up for rehearsal, everyone's supposed to know what's going on. So when you hit the stage, you know, it isn't like, oh, we're going to do this. and Oh, I don't know that. Right. You, you, you kind of know if, you, if you've done your homework. And like I said, you know, we all take it seriously. So you show up, and you get off to a quick start. And we rehearse like 10 days straight, mm-hmm. and, you hit, and you're on the road. Yeah, but wait a second, wait a second. When you're in that, when, <laughs> when you get that note that they're like, uh, yeah, Frankenstein, are you always like, oh, damn it, like I got to... <laughs> Like, some of those songs have got to be kind of like, oh, man, this is going to be... Like, where's the... I want to want to hear the freak-out moment where you're like, oh, crap. No, but it's a challenge. No, no look, Frankenstein absolutely took more work than anything else. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it's one song, so you go, okay, I can do this, and you just spend a little more time with it. Also keyboards, too, right? I remember... <laughs> I remember. I remember going into the Edgar, like, the second year, I think, we did it, and... You know, he has all this. I can't remember. I couldn't play it today. To get guitar. I could play it today. <laughs> but you know, there are all these things, and it's one after another. You know, it's like it's not. It's never A B A B A B. It's A B C D E F G A. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but there was one part where, um, where there was this, this riff that that, that went up over that went from the low register to the high register. I can't remember. And, and I was getting bored with it, so I so I actually figured it out backwards. <laughs> starting at the top and playing it down to the bottom. <laughs> so we're in rehearsal, and I, and I say, Edgar, how do you, why, why don't we do this? Why don't we play this thing backwards? And Ed, Edgar's a great guy. Hmm, what do you mean? So I, so I like this. Instead of... And I play it for him, and he goes, you missed the note. This is Edgar. I mean, Edgar is like... <laughs> Absolutely scary. I said, "Why?" He goes, "Yeah, um, right there." He says, "He says, oh, you yes. have the eighth note. You missed it. It's wrong." So going backwards, he. Yeah, I missed one note. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that just shows like how scary he is. <laughs> but it was great. It was really great. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy! See, if this I was is... so proud. I thought this is going to be great. It's going to be a cool thing. Watch this. <laughs> Mr. No. That's so good. See, this for me, I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, Ringo, I don't think I could uh, do this. I, I'm a little worried about this or that. But you're in there just tackling it all and going, hey, maybe we should play it backwards. Yeah. That's unbelievable. No fear at all whatsoever when it comes to those situations. You don't think, oh, I'm going to embarrass think, myself. I, I, again, I think it's evolution. I think I, I, I think I had a lot more fear when I was younger than I do now. Yeah. I, I, as time goes by, I get more sort of quietly confident but let me give you the perspective of a mere mortal the idea of hmm let me change frankenstein around a little bit like like the next thought is i'm gonna just climb to mount enfrist like that's the kind of that's well, i've the been level there of- i've been there I've, I've, done, I've done that too i was the first i did the first helicopter reconnaissance of my ever get out of here really that i did not know that i did not know that's unbelievable and you garden and i garden Gardening can be a little bit terrifying too. You, can, you know, <laughs> when you drop a pulse on your head, you know it, it can be some. It can be get a little bloody. You know. See, you're just freaking out that Edgar's going to pop up behind you, and be like, "You missed a tulip over there." <laughs> uh, let's talk about gardening really quickly, though, because not only do you do it out here, you got a so, place out so here. You can't do it quickly. It's a very slow process. Oh, I'm so I got no time. I got nowhere to go. Uh, you do it also. You got a thing going at Central Park where you literally maintain a certain. Yeah, part I do of pro bono park. work for the Conservancy, which is the organization, the private organization, which has taken over the park and run it for the last thirty years, okay. and basically is responsible for saving the park and bringing it back to where it is now. And yeah, we have a great relationship where I, I basically do my thing under under the, their auspices. But I'm kind of like a freelance gardener there because I've established a relationship with them where they trust me. They know what I do. 
they know that I have tremendous respect for them in that in that area. You know, it's it's very symbiotic. It's been incredible privilege for me to be able to 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 work with them and for them to allow me to do this. Does it freak them out that they have multi platinum selling artists? <laughs> you know, working there. Yeah, you know, cool. You know, they I mean, there's some people. You know, there are. I do have fans in the organization, but it isn't. No, it's not crazy. Or some people are kind of really into it. It's usually the hip hop guys. You know, <laughs> because, you know, because they find out that you know that the big beat has been used by Jay Z and by you know, right, this right. person and this person. Right. And they're like, well, you're kidding me. You know, <laughs> ninety nine problems and this and this. And this. Like, oh, Billy. You know, <laughs> and then, that's a whole other thing. You know, I I, I think you know. I'm waiting to see if I can get inducted into the hip hop hall. Of fame. You know, that would be the, the supreme irony that I come up with this little drum beat, and, you know, for is one of my strong? songs, and it becomes like the, you know, the, yeah. the stroke. The, is it a, No, it's called Big Beat. No, the Big Beat. It was yeah, my first yeah. record. It's oh, the first okay. song on my first record, Tale of the Tapes. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to have, it started the record, it was called Big Beat, and I wanted to make the biggest beat sound that I could. And so I did it with Bobby played it. And then I played it with my hands and different, but it all it just sounds like a bass drum and a snare drum. But but it's not he, right. You played it, it no, but it, it well it is a bass drum and a snare drum, and it's me playing in a trap case. And it's but it, but it, it's a very simple thing. Just boom, ba bat, boom, boom, bat. Right. But I think you know it caught on with the, with the rap community when they when they were you know when they were spinning. So they you know, the hell out of it. It, it, you know, Jim, like 157, like it's a ridiculous, yeah, it's I almost swear. 100, it's, it's, a, it's like 90, 94. Oh, is that the, oh, really? But, you know, they they just got on it because it was great for them. They could use it in all their songs. They could scratch with the big beat and put it in everything. Right. And then you know, it sort of took on this cult of personality. Yeah. You know, where, where it's like if you were wanted to be hip, you would use it. I run DNC, I think, were the first ones who... Yeah, it's been, it. uh, all the big hitters. But now let me ask you a question. And it just kept going and going and going. And I, I remember meeting this guy from CNC Music Factory, Freedom Williams, is the head of that that band, who had a lot of big big songs. And he, and he said to me, he said, "You're the Robert Johnson of hip hop." Huh? <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, that's pretty heavy. I don't know if I can take that." <laughs> I mean, I would love to, but I don't think I don't think. And I thought, but. Gee, I guess, you know, in its own way, I guess if you've influenced all of these people to do yeah. all these songs, even though I've never rapped in my life, I mean, more than a few lines in my life, I, I mean, I guess I inadvertently influenced them. Yeah. You know, I That's couldn't great. say I am the godfather of hip-hop, but I've, ha I've had this big effect. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. I, I mean, I, it's great. And when I hear certain, certain versions, certain things, like, like 99 Problems or something, it just blows me away. I'm you like that song? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you get to listen to it before, like, do you get, like, a final say on before it comes the out? Only time, or? Well, the only time, I try not to worry about it. Once in a while, if, if, if my publisher thinks that there's a lyric which is really offensive, mm -hmm. he will, will talk about it. And I don't even like to, to let that in because even though I, I do feel I, I have my own set of morals and I'm principled enough, I believe in free speech too. So you sort of walk a fine line between telling somebody what they can do and what they can't do. Right. But there's been a couple of times when we have said to someone, "If you want to use it, you got to take that out." Wow. Not really? a lot, just a little. Just Maybe, a little bit. You know, not not going to change the song or the or the meaning, but you don't have to say that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's and they been, do it. There's I mean, they'll they'll do it. So, but yeah, that's a that's a tricky situation. It's, yeah, because I, I don't like to. I don't like to edit too much. Because you are an artist, too. So, you, yeah, that's I could see how that could be tough for you. But now, the, and the song has been a hit several times, too. The, the sample's been a hit several yeah. times, too, I should say. But when you hear Jay-Z is doing it, like, does that, how quickly do you go out and start buying stuff is what I want to know. Like, because when you know, uh, here's, <laughs> -ching. Like, he, like, here we go, all right, now we're cooking, you know, do you, do you think about that kind of stuff when no. you're going into it? Like, oh. Mm -hmm. Jay -Z no, I'm, I mean it's great. I mean, look, I I, I know that it's gonna, you know, that it's a, it's a big big contribution to my pension pension plan. You know? <laughs> but no, I don't do that. I'm not, I'm I don't. I I mean I I have a lot of stuff, but I'm not. I don't really think of myself as being a hugely materialistic person. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's unbelievable. I have. I mean, you know, I, mean, I live I live a good life. There's no question about it. And I do things that I want to do. And, 
you know, I got a couple nice cars. I've got a great guitar collection. I, you know, I, but I, it's not like you said. No, and I go, oh boy, um, you know, Jay did this or who's the girl who just did, who just did it? Um, Alicia Keys. Uh, oh, that's on, right. On fire. That, that's right. You know, that's right. They tell me, I go, I go, great. That, that's good. That's this. This keeps it rolling for another year because, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not working for a living. So, this really helps. You know, you, yeah. you get these guys doing this. You know, one or two of those things a year, then you get through another year in the lifestyle I've become accustomed to, which is which is great. I don't think it'll go on forever. Yeah, it's that's... already gone on a lot longer than I thought it would. But <laughs> you know, I, I recognize that. But no, I don't go out and try to spend it as fast as I get it by any means. <laughs> It'd be funny though if you were out there kind of handing it to people, be like, maybe you should listen to this and see, it, you know, <laughs> it might be good for you. Yeah, yeah, a little something going on there. I like it. Uh, let's take a listen to it. This is uh, the big beat from uh, Billy Squire, who's in studio with us. Get a little sample of this. There it is, right there. Nation. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I, I got, got 99 problems, problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cast is closed. Rap critics say he's money cash. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type and then of I guess the latest uh, Alicia Keys. There's a little listen to Alicia Keys sampling the big beat. Other than a fantasy. that you've had to music billy squire from uh the big beat and people sampling your stuff to some of your mega hits to working with ringo and the all-star band dude this has been an absolute pleasure having you in here just talk music and stuff with you how oh. it's good for me every once in a while too like I, I i'm not a big interview person but i think a lot of that has to do with the days when you'd be doing 10 or 12 a day yeah you know? When I take interviews, I always ask that. I go, how many of these you got scheduled on the day I'm doing it? Because I, I want to know going into because I don't know how many times you can get asked the same question. And that's have exactly. Well, that's, I'm not in that, in that state anymore. So I, you know, just, right. Well, I appreciate you coming here and you being honest about everything and, and open about everything. That was awesome. Well, I I, you easy. know, I've, I've had a good run. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm... I'm happy with the way it's turned out one last thing give me the give me the billy squire layer like what's the layer look like you got like 400 guitars on a wall somewhere or is it just two beat up guitars in, in the kitchen or something like what are we what, on the guitar collection give me the little guitar collection like how does that yeah what's that I layout? A, my guitar collection for most people would be big but for guitar players it's not big yeah i probably have between 30 and 40 i have a dozen or so which are as good as you could ever have. Really? They're all guitars that I play. I have no guitars on the wall. They're, I, every one I bought, I bought to play. Nice. And I do. I take my $300,000 guitars out on tour. Really? I, yeah, because that's why I have them. <laughs> I don't have them to put in a, in a humidified room. What good does that do me? <laughs> so, I mean, no, I, I played um, a, a month or so ago. Joe Bonamassa was playing at the Beacon Theater, and I never met Joe, and he... He got in touch with me and wanted to meet me, and he asked me to come down and play with him. And, and I didn't know this, but he's a big guitar collector. Same, and we both have the same guitars, and we ended up, we ended up playing. We were playing both playing this like sibling 1959 Les Paul Sunburst. It was like I'm like people are gonna freak. People wearing <laughs> guitars are gonna be like you know peeing in their pants, and and it was people are like you could see it. People are like my God, look at them. but you know when you love these guitars, you wanna you wanna be out there playing. Yeah, and they he, make you a better player. You, you, you respond. I respond to these things. So, so I've got like a dozen of those, and then I have a handful of really good acoustics. The ones that I actually got for Happy Blue, where I went and found the instruments that inspired me by the sound. Right, right. And then it's some other ones that you know I bought for one reason or another, or some, somebody's given me over the years. 
You know what I'm saying? Any collectors or some other other guitar players that you loved or admired? They gave you one or you bought one for that was theirs. I, at one I was going. I went. I was, I, I, I went to um, when Eric auctioned his guitars, the first auction, and I was going to try to get his little Martin that he that he kept at home that he that he wrote on. It was really funny. I, I don't bid at auctions a lot, and so, but you know they, they they tell you what they think it's worth, and and it doesn't have anything to do with what it's worth. Right. This guitar, they, they said, I remember they said the estimate was like three to five thousand dollars, and all the money was going to Crossroads, which you know is a great cause. And so I think, because I'm practical, I'm like, okay, I know it, it's it's a great guitar, it's it's Eric's and stuff, but you know it's not worth. I came up like fifteen thousand, I'll fifteen grand, three times what you know cement. Right. The opening bid was twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, stuff was going out the door for Eric's stuff. He he was there, and he was, we were laughing. He was looking down from the booth, and we told like, like, you know, what can I say? <laughs> but um, no, that was as close as I think I got to wanting something from. I mean, I would have loved to have it because Eric was, you know, really the guy who got me into the. Yeah, he was the one that really really set me off. So no other memorabilia, because like, I know you you have uh, an affinity for Queen. You got to work with Freddie, and yeah, yeah. and none of you do you hold on to any of that like memorabilia stuff at all. I probably have some, but not not nothing. Maybe I have pictures, you know, have pictures of him and me on stage and things like that. Yeah, that's know. cool. That's the cool stuff. But not, I don't I don't have a lot of that stuff. Really, I've been a terrible um, chronicler of my my own career. <laughs> I have less of my stuff than than you do. <laughs> Because I never thought about it. I mean, it always amazes me when you see, like, like okay, like you'll see, like, say, a Tom Petty documentary or something. And I'm like, wait a minute. These guys were shooting stuff before he was even Tom Petty. <laughs> right. How did he know? <laughs> How did he know he was going to be this? I mean, for me, I was just going along. This is just what I'm doing. You know, I don't think this is a big life or this is really important. And some, like you asked me, do I plan to hell someday I'm going to have a documentary? Right. right. So I have nothing. <laughs> People say, what about all that live, the, all those live recordings? I say, what live recordings? You know, <laughs> I, I did a couple live recordings, and someone wanted to come in and do it. You know, yeah. I have nothing. It's it's that's pretty sad. I have to say, it would be nice if I had, you know, maybe had a little more foresight. Right. Someone doing it. Yeah, but you know what? You got the pictures. You got the recordings. You got, you know, you got. Oh, I've got the memories. You, you got, got memories, and I have the results of it all. So yeah. Good, but I, it, it is fairly fairly pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> There won't be a Billy Squire museum opening anytime soon, I don't think. Well, maybe there will be, but it'll be like, those are Billy's garden shears. And, you yeah, know, you like more of that kind of stuff, you know? All right. It'll be All in right. Central Park. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, man, for, for coming in. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. And, uh, Jim, maybe we'll chat a little bit more about uh, Great South Bay Music Festival. We won't subject Billy to that. All right. It's... Send him back to the fields. <laughs> Chain him up. It's 92.9 EHM, the morning show with Anthony online at anthonyonair.com. Uh, getting you closer to the music with Billy Squire. Started out at the break of dawn. Brave the woods for the light of day. With a smile and a dream and a hope so warm. Halfway home I had lost my way. Circle round and round Here in my world It's a long way down I look up to the sky I reach down in my heart Where my feet trod on emptiness Wherever I go But a good man will fall And a sinner may rise above But one destiny Man to lead me to 
Put my strength on a woman's arm That ancient glory won't see you through Here in my world Fortune's wheel spans round Here in my world I'm neither up Every virtue is sin, set to rupture and doubt Makes it easy to sacrifice the God you know There's no comfort within, only pleasure without As you realize, there's one more circle yet to go Everybody cries sometimes Everybody's got the cross to Drink too. 